0: On this episode of The Kinked Wire.
1: In our specialty, the stereotypes are, you know, you have to be a certain height. So I hear from women trainees and aspiring interventionalists that, you know, you're too small, you can't reach things. It's not true.
0: Welcome to The Kinked Wire, the interventional radiology podcast from SIR's IR Quarterly Magazine. You can learn more at our website, sirweb.org slash kinkedwire. And this episode is brought to you by VD. Learn more at bardpv.com. In this episode, King Choir host Warren Krakow speaks with international radiologist Barbara Nicole Hamilton about her efforts to address gender disparities in IR, her role as past chair of the SIR Women in IR section, and about her new book titled Save Lives, Enjoy Your Own. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much. It's uh, really nice to meet you over the waves
2: I'm very intrigued by the story, your story, that led you to where you are in the sense of being a champion of people who feel closed out of the traditional system, be it in IR, I don't know, maybe interventional cardiology, vascular surgery, these traditional sort of male-dominated areas in in healthcare and how you've really chosen to take that story and pathway and really turned it around in a way to, to help people. It's been, you know, a
1: fantastic journey. I'm really grateful for every step of the way. Now I'm six years out in practice, but one of the things that led me here is that sort of every step of the way, there was a lot of doubt, you know, in medical training, we're all learning as fast as we can, but in a world where women represent more than half of the talent coming out of medical schools, I was just struck when I hit medical school, how I felt like I had educated myself out of the dating pool. It was my first taste of kind of gender bias in medicine. I would go out with my friends and I would notice that the male medical students would get a lot of interest. And, you know, as females, if we said that we were going into medical school, people would ask, well, does that mean you're going to be a nurse? Or it's surprising, you know, people don't know what medical school means if you're a female, apparently. So every step of the way, I think people are dealing with a bit of this bias, and that's kind of how I start off my book. You know, I've trained with some really wonderful people, some fabulous communicators, some people that I just, I pinch myself that I got to train with them. But then there have been times where I felt like I was just walking into a men's locker room, and this is Mm. the reality of our specialty. So I think there are some subtle and some overt
2: ways that people are discouraged from these fields. It's really an interesting point that you make because I, I, you know, medical school was tough. Residency and fellowship were tough, and training and all that. I didn't have this extra piece that you had, and you know, talking to uh, other interventional radiologists, the people of color, for example, had a piece that I didn't have. And I think as a white male, I kind of feel I've had an advantage in the sense that I didn't have this extra piece. And I think it's really good that you've then taken uh, your experience and are packaging it for the next generation so that that road might be a little smoother for them. I am
1: trying to smooth it out. I think that's a great way of putting it. And I'm really glad you brought up the issue of minorities in medicine. I tried to incorporate that in my book because I think it's so important now more than ever that you know, a lot of minorities entering medicine or contemplating medicine, they're facing these similar issues where they might just enter feeling like they're other, uh, like they're not the default setting. Like you said, they're not a white male. In our specialty, the stereotypes are, you know, you have to be a certain height. So I hear from women trainees and aspiring interventionalists that, you know, you're too small, you can't reach things. It's not true. Uh, The table is adjustable and, (laughs) you know, it's not a disability. It's not like you even need to make accommodation. I think there are just these um, stereotypes that may be holding some people back. And I just want to combat that with my platform. I've been blogging for a couple of years now about what it's like to be a woman in a male dominated field. And the reason I opened it up beyond IR is because I feel like a lot of these male dominated fields, we have a lot to share together. And when you have only 8 or 10% women in a field and we're scattered across the country, I want it to be a resource to more than just interventional radiologists. But of course, you know, most of my experience
2: is there. I'm certainly not uh, Michael Jordan myself, but (laughs) did you experience that? I mean, did people say to you in training or, you know, pre-training, I'm sorry, you're just too small, you can't do this? I happen to not be a small female, I'm five seven. And then
1: with my dance goes, I was up there with most other people. Of course, you know, with the people that I trained with, um, one of my mentors is well over six feet tall. So he fits that stereotype, Mm -hmm. I guess. And this is something that I hear from other people, you know, as I started to grow my social media platforms on Instagram, or I would have residents reach out to me and say, these are the things I'm hearing. I'm also plugged in with Agnes Solberg, who runs Radiology Chicks, which is a Facebook group, and she has a large community. And these are some of the misconceptions that come through to people like us who put ourselves out there that you can't be an interventional radiologist if you're an immigrant, if you're not from some Mm, elite physician
2: family. I have a whole blog post about all these misconceptions. I think a lot of the white males need to be getting educated as to what's really going on, that that's probably an important part of your audience. And when you put them all together in a
1: post like that or in a book, then they're all aggregated together and it looks awful. And it might even be something, you know, someone would say, well, I've never heard that It's just people hear these over the course of years and I think it sticks with them. And as they're a medical student or they're a trainee, they could hear something like this one time and that will stay with them. So Mm. these are the things that I want to just dispel And just tackle head on. You know, people say an immigrant can't become an interventional radiologist. It's like Joseph Roche, you know, he invented tips. He is one of the godfathers of IR. And I want everyone to know that, you know,
2: IR was built on the ingenuity of people alongside daughter. And I do hope that a lot of the interventional radiologists can, can hear that message, because I think that's part of what needs to change as well. And it sounds like, too, that you have been the victim of some of these things. How did you deal with that during training and so on? You know,
1: one of the things, one of the comments that was hard for me was in a quarterly review, I was told that my asking questions as a fellow made me seem incompetent. <laughs> You're supposed to do that was really hard to stomach because you know, uh, then it's just hard to come into work the next day and know, like, is this an appropriate question or not? But for me, that was very confusing feedback, and it was really hard to feel like that wasn't tinged in gender bias. On the other hand, I will say, you know, it was one of the best fellowship programs in the country, and that's why I think no one is immune. No one's immune from these gender biases. And as you said, I think this starts with changing, maybe just tweaking the mindset of every IR and everybody who will touch that future IR, every preceptor, every advisor, because we all have these inherent biases in
2: us. Exactly. And I think to that end, a lot of what you're doing, certainly uh, on your blog and your book and um, your work in the women in IR section, tell me a little bit about that and how that's helped address some of these issues?
1: So I have to give credit where credit is due. The The first Women in IR Champion Award recipient is Meredith Englander. And she mm. basically has done all the work for the last, I don't know if it's 10 or 15 years, to basically take Women in IR from a concept to a luncheon to a section. And so she was the first chair of Women in IR And Women in IR is a place for women to land within the society. So SIR is a place that is innovative, rapidly changing. I say the society like it's a place, but to me, it's a place. (laughs) It's like Mm -hmm. a home. And, you know, women go to this meeting and they will find no line at the restroom for women uh, because they're in the minority. They will go to the expo and they may be mistaken, not infrequently for a representative because Mm. it's just not as likely that they will be the interventional radiologist in some people's minds. And I hear this even from senior IRs, you know, people who are giants in their fields and large academic centers, people still don't assume that they're
2: the IR. After Meredith set up the section, mm-hmm. um, you now you were you you were I can't, I can't remember if you were or are running the section currently.
1: It was her option to step down and then let somebody else take the reins, which was you know magnanimous of her and it was a great opportunity for me and basically just to foster that place where women can meet each other and foster professional relationships um, and then of course, it's a place where we all come together to work on projects that benefit women in our specialty. And one of the arms that we have developed in the last year or so is actually inter-society collaboration. So for example, with the Association of Women Surgeons, because we do have oh. some people that came from surgery and they have seen all these great programs that the AWS set up. And rather than reinventing the wheel, you know, we can share ideas, we can collaborate with them, we can send people to their meetings. And in this way, it's sort of like what I'm doing on my website side. It's more of a brain trust that way. You know, We don't need to be alone.
2: That's great. Sort of reaching across the silos or traditional mm-hmm. silos, I think, is, is fantastic. So in your time now in leadership in SIR, you're working IR quarterly and you're working the women in IR section. Do you feel things have changed for the better or even for the worse in terms of how women are perceived in IR? I'm really excited that the demographics are changing a little bit. And so that's why
1: I feel like now is more important of a time than ever that women feel really welcome because we do see increasing number of trainees coming in. I think that some of the match statistics have shown that, you know, the IRDR entrants are something like 30% female and that's just tripling the inflow of women into the specialty. So I think that's amazing. And, you know, we need to welcome the talent pool. We can't only draw from half of the talent pool. And Mm -hmm. I think that there has been a leaky pipeline. And so I'm very excited to see that change happen. I have seen the society make a concerted effort to be welcoming to women in IR, not just by supporting the section as we did our work, inviting us to the meetings so we could tell the executive council what we were up to. And, you know, they got us in front of some of the industry sponsors so that we could get sponsorship for some of the projects that we have upcoming all of these things have been very supportive. There's the I am IR campaign. It's the hashtag I am IR. And that was a big push to be inclusive. And it's interesting because, of course, there's been a response to that campaign. And I mentioned that in the book. One of the trainees experienced a response to that campaign where someone said, well, IR is one of the most diverse
2: specialties. Why do we need this campaign? So clearly, there's still more work to be done. Really? That's fascinating that someone would say that. And in fact, it sort of gets me to my next question. I mean, when you're now counseling or talking to, uh, the younger folks, the, you know, maybe the people who are just going into training or just finishing training, are you noticing a change in perception? Are you noticing that at least more they can focus on, it's, it's hard enough just to learn how to do the tips. Please let me just focus on that and ask my questions in morning report. Have you gotten us, been able to get a sense of any kind of feedback of what the sort of the next group is, is thinking?
1: Yeah, sometimes I'm surprised that in 2020 we're still encountering the difficulties that we are, and uh, I do think with, we're moving in the right direction. Uh, I think medicine at large is changing, you know. So with that huge ship that is medicine, you know, we are also moving with that. At the same time, I think IR is such an innovative specialty that it behooves us to be at the forefront of that and. As the match statistics are showing, I mean, clearly we can attract women. It's just a matter of us keeping them in the pipeline, being welcoming and trying to rid ourselves of these biases and these little comments we feel the need
2: to say. Absolutely. And as you suggested, as wrong as it is ethically and morally, in addition, why would you want to lose out on fifty percent of the talent pool if you, you know, truly believe in the greatness of healthcare and you know, at least in our specialty? I should mention that I love just even the title of your book, Save Lives, Enjoy Your Own. And I think, you know, that has implications probably for everyone in medicine. You know, somebody th- actually said, I don't think you should use the word enjoy. Why? (laughs) So maybe I'm I'm
1: I'm trying to change the culture of medicine at the same time, because, you know, we're supposed to be martyrs. And that's something I speak up against. You know, we are not here to be martyrs. Yes, I may be on 24 hour call for a week at a time, but I'm still not a martyr and I well, won't embrace
2: it. I just won't. <laughs> I, I think that's a beautiful sentiment. I mean, we've done some work in this podcast on on burnout and that is absolutely the road to burnout if you're a martyr. And I completely agree with you. And you should enjoy your life. I mean that, you know, if you're not enjoying IR, then I don't know, find something else to do, you know. One thing we like to ask all our guests is if you had the power to change one thing in healthcare, what would it be? That's a great question. And it's hard to pick one
1: thing. But to me, I would reduce the complexity. I think it's a it's a scourge for doctors, and it makes their lives harder. And even more importantly, for patients, it affects access. And Mm. So I think a truly valuable innovation would be something that streamlines and simplifies the delivery of care. And I'm a little bit optimistic about this. I think perhaps that there could be an AI solution or a number of solutions that help to guide patients through this kind of mess of a system. And maybe that can fix our system one day there are a lot of things we look back and think wow that was sort of the dark ages of medicine but <laughs> in a way i think we are in some dark ages now and i think we i think it will improve you know the maybe the connectivity between institutions the streamlining of all these administrative processes and you know third party payers there's so much room for improvement
2: really hope and believe that our listeners will give back and help you turn you, you mentioned it's like a big ship help you turn this ship around a little bit.
1: And there's so many people working on it alongside me. So I really mm. want to applaud them. And you know, I want to mention that this book is not just my own voice, I've incorporated the voices of many other women in IR and women in other specialties. So although the book is of modest size, it's no encyclopedia, I do have 13 contributors
2: alongside me. I'd like to really thank you for taking this time with us and encourage everybody to check out your blog and, and certainly read your book. And again, thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much. That was Dr. Barbara Nickel Hamilton talking about the importance of fostering a culture of diversity and addressing gender disparities within IR. You can read her blog and learn more about her book at TiredSuperheroIn.com. We thank Dr. Nicole Hamilton for her time, BD for supporting this episode, and you for listening to The King Wire. Our host is Dr. Warren Krakoff, Our editor is Dr. Jamie Shaw. Our production manager is Dr. Jason Fisher. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have any thoughts or ideas for us, drop us a line at irq.surweb.org.